This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. You see, this is why you should be watching our streams, too, on Twitch and YouTube, though, if you're listening across the nation. Oh, we appreciate that. All over the BetQL network, Ryan and I at the home setups tonight. We have now dug through all of the sports memorabilia that we've got sitting around our places and various things that we have when we're a childhood. Uh, the Tony Kukoc jersey should not shock you came out first for him. I had the Larry Johnson Knicks jersey. Now, sir, I did something. I think it was a big mistake, Ryan. I went and grabbed this. Can you see what this is? I will stand up for you. It's a number 34 Phoenix Suns jersey. Who could that be, my friend? You're on mute. You're on mute. Come on. This isn't, I know it's like a Zoom call, but you got to be, yeah, come on, Ryan. There you go. No, you're right. Try again. There I you was. go. Charles Barkley, 34 Phoenix Suns. Here's the problem. It's a size 36, which I don't know how they size jerseys now if it's the same number. This thing shouldn't fit me, and it doesn't. It shouldn't fit a 10-year-old. I can't breathe right now. This thing is so tight, but I had to put it on. I'm committing to the bit. I got the next one for the next segment here, and we're going to talk to Ben Brown in a second here, and he's going to laugh at us because we're a bunch of fools. But I see you have a 55 Packers jersey. Is that a Johnny Blood jersey? Didn't he wear 55 way back in the day in like the 50s? Yeah, it's not a Johnny Blood jersey. This is actually a uh, Zadarius Smith jersey. So I celebrated okay. Brian Gutekinds and the Green Bay Packers actually spending money on the pass rusher uh, position on pass rushers. And I figured, well, Zadarius is going to be here in Green Bay a lot longer than Preston Smith. Well, I was a big idiot, and uh, now I'm stuck with the Zadarius <laughs> Smith jersey. So I figured I'd bring this one back out one last time. Well, at least that one fits you. I, I will make it through this segment because I'm committing <laughs> to this. But, I I mean, this thing is – it is – I thought the last jersey was tight on me in short. This thing is lit, yeah. is for – it's fit for a 10-year-old. So, so here we go. No way to really segue to Ben Brown, but we're going to do it anyway. NFL data scientist for Sumer Sports. If you were to dig through your closet or think back, Ben, what would be the most <laughs> random jersey or, like, piece of sports memorabilia or something that you have – that if you popped it up right now and had access to it, we all would just be like, oh, damn, I forgot about that or whatever. Everybody's got something, don't they? Yeah, everyone's got, you know, obviously skeletons hidden in their closet and stuff. I just wish I would have known ahead of time. I could have got some of these things out. But I will say, as a Minnesota sports fan, I'm not even going to go in the football direction, but I was a pretty big believer when uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves made the trade for Andrew Wiggins when he was the number one overall draft pick in the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, so I have yeah. a couple of Cleveland Cavaliers Andrew Wiggins jerseys that uh, have not been worn since what? the day I bought them. I was trying to keep him as a collector's edition, and unfortunately his career just did not pan out in the way in which I expected. So uh, I got a lot wow. of skeletons in my closet. That might not be the worst one, but it's the one I'm going to bring up here tonight. <laughs> Man. Uh, ben, let's uh let's get into the Super Bowl. Before we do, actually, let's start with the AFC championship game because you know, I did not want to bet against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey, <laughs> but I did with Baltimore, man, and I was a big fan of the Todd Munkin hire. I was a big fan of 
Lamar in the pocket, you know, Lamar pushing the ball down the field, not having to use his legs as much, but I just thought in that matchup against Kansas City, it should have been more quarterback power, more heavy sets, more uh, running the football. Uh, and we didn't yeah. get that for whatever reason. What was Baltimore thinking? You know, what do you take away from the AFC championship game? Like, did did Baltimore did, did Kansas City win that game or did Baltimore really just beat themselves? You know, I'm just kind of like not sold on how Kansas City's here still. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from Kansas City, but I very much think like the, the follow-up from that game was the fact that the Chiefs, you know, only scored 17 points, didn't score in the second half, right? And, and in a lot of ways, still kind of coasted to a victory. And so I think you have to turn back the clock a little bit and you have to realize like, there were not only spots within this game that it was one or two plays that could have easily swung everything in the Baltimore Ravens direction. But kind of like you said, like the overall game plan and approach didn't really maximize where they were going to be most successful at in a lot of ways, you know, the intermediate uh, over the middle type routes was very much and is very much the spot that the chiefs have been most susceptible to from a passing perspective. There was basically none of that action. I would say for the Baltimore Ravens, kind of like you said, in early down type situations, they didn't have any sort of plan or reason for why they didn't want to stay ahead of the chains, I would say. And so getting in some of those second and five and second and four manageable situations because of Lamar Jackson's, you know, threat and the rushing ability, opening up some things underneath just wasn't utilized whatsoever. So although I think defensively, the game plan for the Ravens was sound, I think offensively, it's really easy to point fingers and blame and very much see that that was kind of the reason outside of the, the high variance type plays uh, for why Baltimore is not playing in the Super Bowl. And I think that's very much justified kind of coming out of how that game finished for sure so this is going to go away from maybe numbers or any sort of data or maybe even any film this is more of like the human side of that but you, you the way you describe where the ravens were and we've heard a lot of this right they went away from their game plan they didn't look like the way that they used to be in some ways again we're speculating here with this but from what you saw do they in some ways look like a team given what they were in the regular seasons there that just got in their head a little bit where they thought about the situation they were in, where they saw the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Lamar Jackson, that's all he did was talk about winning a Super Bowl. And I love that. Like, that's what he wanted to do. He was focused on what he wanted. But it just felt like to me, Ben, like that was a team that got away from what they were and almost like panicked in some ways. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, obviously it's really hard to quantify those sorts of things where teams come out, yeah. you know, especially in the second half and like, and just don't look the same. But I think in a lot of ways, like you can go back to both conference championship games and you can kind of see the teams that maybe haven't gotten over the hump or haven't really been there from uh, before from a, you know, maturation perspective, but even in prior seasons, both in the Detroit Lions and Baltimore Ravens, and you can point to really costly situations where they did not maximize what they were supposed to do. And I think, you know, from the drops of the Detroit Lions side of football to the fact that the Ravens kind of completely abandoned where they had in a lot of ways been successful, not only where they had been successful, but also in the spots where the Kansas City Chiefs defensively had been weakest. I think that speaks to a team that, you know, probably got too tight or maybe not tight isn't the correct word, but very much like a team that, still needs to get over the hump. And I think there's justifiable reasons for why they didn't do that. And I think a lot of that is nerves and everything else and things that we haven't been able to quantify, but I still very much think play some sort of role in determining the outcome of these games, I would say on a day, on a weekly basis. Yeah. So we talked about obviously like Kansas city struggles against the run definitely runs off tackle. So who scares you the most in this matchup? You know, if you're looking at player props on the offensive side of the ball for San Francisco, you know, McCaffrey's numbers are obviously pretty high. Debo's dealing with an injury, but he still went over all of his numbers last year. Uh, who would you target, you know, if you're looking at San Francisco on the offensive side of the ball for player props in this matchup? 
Yeah, I definitely. I think if you're just looking to attack, you know, where the where the Chiefs have been, I would say weakest at. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I do think they're gonna have to hit a deep shot or two, and I very much think that Brandon Ayuk is kind of the gonna be the focal point of some of the early scripted play sets in their intermediate long routes, and I do think they are gonna take at least one or two shots there. To me, if I was trying to play on the positive side of things for the 49ers passing offense. Ayuk is very much the approach that I want to take. I think, you know, specifically with how good, you know, the 49ers have been from a yards after catch perspective, I do think in some ways they are going to at least be successful in minimizing Debo Samuel. But I think that opens up things for other guys. I think Brian Ayuk is kind of like the prime example of that. I also think Juwan Jennings, you know, had some opportunities in the conference championship game and could be just a little bit overlooked given the, you know, the four horses that they kind of have outside of him for the 49ers skill position offensive players. So I like Juwan Jennings overs. I like Brandon Ayuk's overs i do think if i'm looking to play an under it is very much on that debo samuel samuel like under 21.5 longest reception i think even though he's going to be involved i very much think he is outside mccaffrey going to be the focal point for the chiefs offense and they're very much going to be aware of where he's at on the football field in relation to the motion that the 49ers are going to play so much of so i like samuel over or samuel under Ayuk over and i do think if Jawan jennings you know uh it has some opportunities early on he's you know very much could be a focal point for some live betting opportunities throughout the game yeah you mentioned McCaffrey his rushing plus receiving set at 30 uh 130 and a half and I mean Ryan and I were talking about this before Ben and it's like I don't care what they set that number at they just still find ways to get him at least in contention to go over there we thought last week against the Lions run defense I think it was about it opened at 88 and a half just rushing yards got up a little over 90 hit 90 plus the receiving yards on top of that just feels like no matter what the matchup is Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey both combined just find ways to get the yards when they need it, get the production when they need it. It works out every single week. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of ways, um, you know, the the game script perspective, you know, with the fact that that game was so fast paced did kind of cater to that. And obviously Christian McCaffrey is going to get his and in some ways, you know, fading that is never going to be a good feeling. But I think, you know, obviously if you do want to play some overs, I would say, especially on player props, like now is very much the time to do it. Because I do think, especially when you kind of have, you know, a marquee name like McCaffrey, like his prop numbers are only going to go in one direction. It seems to be, at, you know, the, in the week leading up to the Super Bowl. So I, I know we look at the the long, the rushing and receiving yards prop numbers right now and think they're pretty high, but I only think those are going to push even higher for McCaffrey in particular. So if you do kind of buy into the fact that, you know, he, he is going to be the focal point of this offense and the 49ers are going to be playing from ahead. I definitely think it is justifiable to do that, but I do have like maybe just a little bit of a different read on the game script in general. And I do probably lean more towards the under 47 uh, than this game playing over the game total pace. So from that perspective, I am mainly targeting, I would say, some you know prop number unders and waiting, I would say, to get in on some of that action until we get closer to kickoff. Yeah, I'm with you. I like the under a lot in this game. What are your thoughts, you know, uh, on the on the field goal kicker props? Actually, you know, I was looking at some field goal kicker props. Um, what do you think about that? Because I'm with you. I don't know how many possessions there's going to be for either of these teams. Right. Right. And it seems to be like that's the way that the Chiefs have not only been successful, but have kind of want to play it all season. Right. Like they want, you know, a, a shot at the end. And if they're up early, they're going to kind of sit and squat on the football. So I think from a field goal percent, you know, field goal numbers, I haven't looked, I would say, really intricately at some of this individual field goal numbers. But I do think Chiefs first drive resulting in a field goal at like a plus 350 price. I think they kicked the field goal roughly 30% of the time. We have seen, I would say, Andy Reid 
be somewhat less aggressive when like the lights are shining brightest, especially early on in games. And it does seem like in a lot of ways, they do want to rely on defense and rushing the football in this current iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I like them to be somewhat successful moving the football, but probably settle for a field goal on their first drive. Uh, it has kind of been like the one spot that I've really got involved with from a field goal percentage you know, number, I would say, right now. Talking to Ben Brown, BetMGM tonight. I'm going to leave this kind of open-ended for you because I feel like there's a lot of directions we could go with this, and it's been something I'm curious to see what everybody feels because it's been such a big narrative. But what is your take at this point on Brock Purdy just as a quarterback? So it is it, it is a tricky subject, and I will start this by saying like I, I was probably lower than most heading into the season on Brock Purdy, and for all intents and purposes, like, he, he's very much far exceeded anyone's expectations. To me, I think there's probably two sets of evaluation from the quarterback position. And is Brock Purdy playing really well in this San Francisco 49ers offense? I would undoubtedly say yes. I do think he's making essentially all the throws that they are asking him to make. And I think that is leading to a very productive and the most efficient offense in football. I think the other side of the evaluation, and this might be the part that gets lost from an analytics perspective, is like the question of, you know, who else could potentially fit into this role and do similar things to what Brock Purdy is doing. And I think if you classify a, a, a handful of guys more than what the status quo expectation is, you turn into a Brock Purdy hater. And I'm not quite sure I, I want to get involved with that sort of discussion. But to me, I think he's done everything asked of him. Have there been a couple throws that he would probably like to have back? Yes. Is there still some part of me who thinks that he could potentially be the reason why the 49ers fall short in this particular Super Bowl? Yes. But I still think, you know, overall, the questions about him ha have very much been silenced by his play so far this season. And I do think, you know, outside of like who else could potentially deliver a similar performance in this particular offensive structure, I, I think the case is kind of closed for him being some sort of like quote unquote game manager because he's very much, I would say, elevated himself to uh, a, 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 an upper tier of quarterback play so far this season. Yeah, and Ben, I love Kyle, and I know, like, especially, like, we criticized Dan Campbell. He was too aggressive. Right. He should have taken the points. I mean, I criticize him for, like, you know, like you run the ball on third down. I guess that's more on Ben Johnson. You call the timeout. But, you know, like, does that scare you, or would that concern you if you're back in San Francisco in this spot as a two-point favorite, just that Kyle Shanahan, um, not always very – not always aggressive, and Andy Reid – I feel like he has the coaching advantage here. I don't know if that's like a hot take. Kyle Shanahan's obviously great at scripting, uh, scripting and, and calling plays, but I don't know. You got to give Andy, I think, the uh, edge here. Would that concern you at all uh, with San Francisco, just kind of like what we saw against Detroit with Kyle again? Yeah, I very much think it's, uh, you know, a concern for me from San Francisco. Like, I do think, you know, in general, like the one thing you can ding Kyle Shanahan for has been like his fourth down decision-making and, and then like his timeout usage and those sorts of things. And, and in a lot of ways, like, that really hasn't been corrected this year. And in some ways that's kind of like not the lowest common denominator, but one of the easier things to correct. So in some ways, you know, it, it seems like Kyle Shanahan, who, like you said, is so innovative from an offensive play con standpoint, would kind of be able to figure out more of the, the easier type of problems. And that just really hasn't been the case. So it has concerned me. I, I would say it's going to continue to concern me. I think part of that is this relationship with him and Brock Purdy. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I still think like they're going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes at his best. And I'm just not quite sure if the 49ers are going to be capable of that coming up here next Sunday. That's That's been a struggle for teams so far. I'll tell you what, even if he has a dad bod and gets made fun of, it doesn't matter. Damn it, it's Patrick Mahomes. Ben Brown, great to talk to you again, man. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks, oh, I can't wait. It's Bet MGM tonight.